Blog Talk Radio. to another episode here of The Ruckus. I am your guest host tonight, Brandon Stubbs, a.k.a. Mr. Punch the Face, uh, the the matriarch here of BadCulture.net, Ms. Giandra LaBeouf, is out actually handling other business tonight, so she's letting the inmates run the asylum uh, here on tonight's show. Uh, she's not letting me run it alone. I, I know she's not that crazy. I have my own show where I run alone, and it's, it's a little wacky. So here tonight, as always, uh, we'll be joined by Ryan Bivens here shortly. I don't know where Ryan's at. Ryan's on the line yet. Uh, but my ace boom coon, uh, Ishmael, is here on the line. Uh, Beats Boxing and Mayhem. You know him. You know him well. He's always on the show. Ishmael, how you living this evening, my man? I'm doing good, doing good. A little under the weather because my Knicks got blown out by the Wizards, but I know the show will pick me up. Ah, ah, ah. Yes, the NBA season is here yet again. Um, I can understand your pain. My Cowboys uh, lost here this Sunday, so I've been under the weather pretty much all week. Uh, and won't get right <laughs> until they play the Jaguars. They play the Jaguars in London, so that's that's a get-right game for them. But um, something that did make us all sick as boxing fans that we'll definitely touch upon uh, when Ryan joins us shortly, the awful showbox card here from this past Saturday night. Um, that's enough to make anyone's stomach turn. Um, oof, that was bad. Uh, Also as well, uh, we'll be talking, um, we have a guest tonight, we've got Jojo Diaz, uh, prospect here for a golden boy uh, managed by uh, Oscar De La Hoya's brother, Joel De La Hoya. Uh, We also have Luis uh, Arias, hopefully I'm not saying that name right, Um, formerly of Mayweather Promotions, as everyone has probably seen that uh, that uh, video of him getting released in the parking lot there at Mayweather's Boxing Club in Las Vegas last week. We're going to talk to him and get some more information about how all that went down. And one thing he's saying in his interviews is there was never any contract. So how can we someone a contract who doesn't have a contract? So we'll get some clarification on that. Uh, we also have uh, musical artist Hussein Salam, uh, who's going to join us as well here later in the show uh, to talk a little bit of hip-hop and uh, what he enjoys about uh the the game of the sweet science of boxing and speaking of sweet boxing I think our our partner in crime is calling in right now is this Mr Vivint here on the line naturally <laughs> please hide your enthusiasm this evening Ryan please please we kind of kind of keep it down it's a family show how you doing Mr Vivint I'm all right you know um, first day back sparring. Um, you know, just getting back in the swing of things. Can't can't wait to fight again. Uh, absolutely. You know, here at BadCulture.net and the Ruckus, we always got you back. We want you to get back in the ring. We want you to get that W. And 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 I didn't get a chance to say this a couple weeks ago. For anybody who calls himself trolling Ryan from uh, suffering the loss of his pro debut, 
Brian, I, I literally want you to point them out to me, and I will physically go to their homes and slap them. I didn't get a chance uh-uh. to say that last week. I, I just want to put that out there. You're not going to show my man because he lost his pro debut. You're not going to do that. It's not like he caught a fade. Caught a fade a little bit different. But then it, was a, it was a close competitive bout, so hey. But I'm just putting that out there. You throw wide Bivens, you're going to have Brandon Stubbs on your back, and you don't want those problems. You just don't. Well, you know, Brandon, if you really want to help out, you know, when Ryan makes his comeback, you know, he could use a soft touch. You want to, you know, volunteer? I, I said next spring I would do the sparring because right now I am in no no shape whatsoever to get in the ring with someone. And, I mean, it would be an extremely soft touch. I, I am on a, I will say this, I, I am on a regimen right now. I have dropped some weight. So we're doing weight. We're doing weight loss now. We're doing cardio here, and then we're doing strength training so I can be prepared for when I do do the spar with Ryan next spring. I saw, right I now, saw that Instagram pic of the two McRibs, man. Hey, man, it was my cheat meal. I had to do it. It's was, it was only here for a limited time. <laughs> Look, man, use your cheat meals on stuff that actually is good, you know? McRibs, really? Come on now. I mean, you, you got to tell them to double dunk it in the sauce. If you tell them to double dunk it, it's, ah, it's, you don't even know. Oh, man. You don't know. <laughs> don't judge me, damn it! <laughs> but but something, fellas, we we gotta judge is you know I, I honestly I'm glad I didn't watch it live when it came on. I had the the privilege of watching it on DVR and fast forwarding it. What do you make of this this card last weekend here? The Showtime put on a special edition of Showbox or whatever they want to label it as. Um, We'll start with you, Ryan, because I, I, luckily I was able to watch your timeline and, and see some of your tweets, and I'm really glad I didn't have to watch that live. I probably would have been <laughs> contemplating suicide. It wasn't that bad. Um, the main event was good, and I knew it was going to be good. You know, it was it was under the radar, I think, because nobody knew who the opponent was for Fon But, you know, since I watched everybody in the sport, I knew what he had to offer, and it was a competitive fight. It was like a 7-5 to five kind of fight. Or was it six to four? I forget but, if it was a ten rounder or a twelve. It was a uh, ten. Yeah. Okay. Six to four. Yeah, I, I will agree. The main event was actually competitive, um, but it was the, the the first bout of the night that just really just was just bad. Uh, the whole Abner Cotto, uh, <laughs> uh Fortuna fight. What? I, I don't even know what to say. I, it was just bad. And, I mean, anybody with the last name Kodo, I, oh, God. Ishmael, man. What? Tell, tell the people the flopping. It was bad. I mean, it was LeBron James type of flopping. It was, you know, Vladi Divac levels of flopping. It was just bad. It's the, the number one, the punch miss, you know, he, he goes back for a second. You see his cornerman telling him to fake it, go down. And then he goes, oh. That's a good idea. And then he just immediately flops to the ground. Uh, the referee, of course, missed all this. It's like we're watching a wrestling event. So then he turns around and sees him on the floor, thinks it's a legit punch, takes a point away from uh, Fortuna. And even before that, you know, Kodo was able to get uh, a suspect knockdown off some rabbit punches. So to be honest with you, that kind of woke me up. That kind of got me entertained and watching the fight, just how ridiculous it was and what the ref was missing. Um, but justice was served. You know, Kodo ended up getting knocked out. So no harm, no foul in the long run. It just kind of prolonged the battle a little bit longer. It was a sloppy fight overall, but, 
you know, entertainment-wise, it was pretty entertaining. I, I would actually put it up there as the most entertaining fight of the night, just from a spectacle point of view. Of course, it wasn't as good as far as actual back-and-forth action as the main event. But that fight, you know, it was just ridiculous. And I was looking to see if I could troll uh, Cole a little bit, but, of course, he hasn't been on Twitter since that night, uh, understandably. But, yeah, I don't know what was going through his mind. I think after he got the rabbit punch and knockdowns, he was trying to see how much he can get away with. There was a couple low blows in there, too, a couple elbows back and forth. So just overall, just a pretty ugly fight, which kind of happens. Um, I don't know if there was any bad blood before the fight, but it, it sure seemed like it the way they were going at each other with these uh, fouls and all that. Yeah, now, needless to say, you think any – I know Showtime right now was kind of, I don't want to say scraping the barrel with some of the, the fights they're kind of putting on and out there. Uh, pretty good chance we're never going to see Cotto again on a show, Showtime broadcast. And, and am I just – am I wrong for throwing that out there? You you never know. <laughs> they You know, we've seen Rod out up there, so I don't know with Showtime. Uh, showtime, showtime. Now, also we had a uh, yeah all action fight. Uh, uh, I know I'm going to mispronounce the names uh, in the bantamweight division. Uh, Kata Kata you're better at this stuff than I am. With these oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. What he said. Uh, and a very, it was, I thought that was honestly it was it was an entertaining fight. You know, besides the um, uh, the from four fight, I thought the, the last two fights of the night definitely helped make up for the bizarreness there. Uh, in the first fight, they were entertaining, you know, and, and not to mention, you know, with this, uh, with the fighter being here from Japan, it actually brought, uh, helps get him to a, a maybe a larger stage here in America. I know Ryan had uh, talked about how his gym had closed, didn't want to, you know, go to another gym so he can be licensed over there in Japan, is coming over here to the States, but maybe this also sheds light on the smaller weight classes and can get some of these other foreign fighters more exposure, because that's what it's about in boxing, getting fighters more exposure. Uh, Ryan, what did you think of uh, of that bout and it being a split decision uh, as being the ruling. Yeah, I thought he clearly won the fight, Tomoki, but um, he was not really entertaining until he got cut. And once he got cut, he started kind of unraveling, and, uh, you know, uh, Hernandez was able to get himself in the fight, so it, it became competitive, but before that, he was just kind of, you know, going through the motions. And is this someone you think with with his performance and the way he, um, you know, the fight that he put on, granted it was a split decision, and I'm like you, I thought it was more of a clear cut, but some of these judges, Lord knows what they're on anymore. Uh, is this someone who should get more exposure and more time uh, on U.S. airwaves, especially if Showtime's going to be scraping a barrel once Gold Boy looks to leave, since uh, we'll, we'll touch that on that in a second. Uh, when Gold Boy looks like they're going to be leaving that stable there, is this somebody whose Showtime can maybe feature more of and, and feature more of the Bantamweight division in the future? Um, well, you know, we'll see what happens in his next fight because I think he's going over to the U.K. to fight Jamie McDonald, who has the um, the WBA title uh, in the, uh, you know, Bantamweight division. Um, the regular um, WBA title because there is a super champion. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a unification fight, and, um, you know, Jamie's a good fighter. Um, they're both top ten fighters. And, um, you know, whoever wins that, I'd say, is uh, a sure fire, at least in the top two in the division. All right, all right. Now, now Ishmael, you know, kind of going back to the main event, you know, and I saw this on Twitter as I was kind of 
I was I was and I was watching MMA while the showbox card was going on. But one thing that I did see several people kind of trolling Adonis Stevenson for, you know, his bout against Fafar and then Fafar struggling against uh, his opponent. Do you think that was actually just, or does that actually show there's kind of more depth in the division than what people know about at super middleweight? Uh, well, Fafar is a he's a tough guy. Super, I mean, you know, I think he's a little under. Yeah, Fonfar is a little underrated, and especially the guy who was fighting the Gumbu is very awkward, very difficult to fight, and he came to fight. I mean, from the opening bell, you know, there was no fear. I really appreciated his performance for the simple fact that we've seen a lot of fighters kind of shy away when they get that big opportunity. You know, he was the complete opposite. You know, you can tell he was locked in and that if he was going to lose, he was going to lose showing the best of his ability. You know, he got rocked a few times, kept his composure, came back, you know, he never really retreated. You know, he stayed in from far as face, even though he was outgunned as far as punching power. You know, he was constantly getting hit back during exchanges, but he laid his leather. You know, he put put some good hooks on uh, from far. He just didn't have the power to really move him too much. And then when you compound the fact that from far later said he had a hand injury, it kind of made the fight even a little bit more competitive. You know, scoring-wise, it was pretty, you know, decisive for from far, but it was definitely a tough fight. It's a fight that you can tell he definitely felt it afterwards. So I think Nagumbo, man, he made a big name for himself as far as, like, you were talking about possibly getting back on the network, getting in the mix. I think he's definitely done that. Um, so I think overall it shows that there's a lot of quality fighters in the division that a lot of people aren't aware of. I think that's the best way to describe it because for most fight fans, you know, if it's not on Showtime, if it's not on HBO, not on NBC, it kind of falls by the wayside. Not a lot of people really go out and investigate. What, what about Fox Sports Boy, man? Golden Boy Live. Golden, Golden Boy Live. Let's, let's not even mention that. Well, although our first guest of the night, Jojo Diaz, is going to be a part of a Golden Boy Live card here next Thursday. So, I mean... Well, Golden, you know, Golden Boy Live, I think it, it would, if they actually, you know, market as being more of a, a prospect show, you know, their version of Showbox, I got no problem with that, quite honestly. But if you're trying to make it more than what it is, that's when we're going to have issues. But I'm not going to completely down them. Um, I, I did fall asleep on the Halloween card last week, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but speaking of Golden Boy and Golden Boy Live, now, my man Oscar De La Hoya during the fights – here, um, decided to do a little trolling. Uh, let's see, he first told everybody, uh, you know, are they watching Boardwalk Empire? Um, then he, you know, later said, I thought I was watching a Friday Night Fights card when I was flipping the channels. But Steven Espinosa also, you know, kind of uh, stung him back, you know, to telling Boardwalk Empire season ended the week before. Um, you know, guys, what do you think of this whole, you know, this falling out of love between the Steven Espinosa and, uh, and Golden Boy, and really more more Oscar than anything, uh, since it looks like the tides are changing in regards to the fighters and the networks uh, going forward in 2015. Well, you know, millionaires squabbling back and forth. I mean, I don't really take all that stuff seriously. Obviously, they're still going to do business in some capacity going forward, no matter what they say to the media and all that. So it was cute, but nothing I really took seriously. Like, there's a really big rift going on. It is going to be real interesting to see what the landscape looks like in 2015, especially with all these moves happening as far as how many fighters are going to end up on Showtime that are still Golden Boy affiliated or otherwise. Um, it's hard to call at this point. I mean, there's a lot going on, especially with these new signings that we're going to be talking about later with Chavez, uh, with, with his situation. 
So, you know, I'm pretty positive, though, that Showtime is still going to do business with Golden Boy on some level because they really have no other choice. I mean, the boxing pool is not that deep where they can just exclusively work with one promoter. You know, I think those days are done at the very least. So I think we're going to see a lot of, you know, crossing back and forth, you know, going forward, hopefully. Ryan? Mm. What was the question? (laughs) (laughs) The the question is, you know, with with Oscar trolling, you know, Showtime the way he did here over the weekend throughout the fight card, do you think that's going to, you know, add even more tension or more uh, bad blood between the uh, between Espinosa and uh, the head of Golden Boy right now, as far as the landscape goes going forward for them? No, I don't think they care what they say to each other on Twitter. It's it's more of the the official you know conversation they had that, that's causing the bad blood, because from what Stephen you know knew from speaking to Oscar, Hopkins and Canelo were still going to be on Showtime. And, you know, from their discussions, that was, you know, a done deal. And then, you know, behind his back, uh, all of a sudden they're on HBO, and he's like, yo, Oscar, what's up, man? You you said we was cool. And Oscar was like, you know, he he's like that uh, he stopped returning his calls kind of guy. You know, just, it was, it was sketchy. And Oscar, Oscar did him dirty, and uh, I think he's pretty much done with Showtime. Uh, you know, uh, aside from his... The, his Heyman fighters that he still promotes uh, for as long as that lasts. Um, we're not going to see him on Showtime. Not, not with uh, this new regime of, you know, Espinosa and Heyman. And, uh, but Oscar burned his bridges. It, it's starting to kind of seem that way. A um, lot, of, lot of interesting and weird things with that. Um, like you said, we don't know who's all still technically show who's Golden Boy and who's Al Heyman, who's Golden Boy and Al Heyman. Uh, we do have some photos up where uh, Ginger was there at a press conference today for Amir Khan's fight with Devin Alexander in Los Angeles. Uh, definitely go to badculture.net and look at those photos. So we know those gentlemen are also there uh, and, and still a part of that and will be on fighting on Showtime along with uh, my favorite fighter, Victor Ortiz. Uh, he was all smiles when he was in front of the camera today. I, I kept the trolling to a minimum because I, I am a little bit under the weather, but I was like, you know what? He's going to get a pass for now. But closer to fight time, Victor's going to catch hell. I don't know. If, if Victor was to come on the show, I don't know if I can be on the same time. It would just be too awkward. Too awkward. <laughs> I don't know. We were shoot out in the ring one of these days. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 our, our paths are going to cross sooner or later. Um, but, uh, you know, we were speaking on this, and we'll go and touch into this because we got a little bit of time uh, for our first guest comes on, uh, uh, Jojo Diaz. Is the news broke of Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Uh, signing with advisor Al Heyman. So this could be a really happy Taco Tuesday for Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. The problem is Bob Arum's like, nah, we got another fight left, so the lawyers are handling this. Uh, that was pretty much his response. We all kind of knew this would kind of sort of happen, but are we really surprised that Al Heyman really went after Julio Cesar Chavez Jr.? And is there anything he can do that actually can salvage uh, this guy's career who just doesn't seem motivated and really want to fight and really want to train to fight? Uh, we'll love it first you, Ryan. Um, well, you know my opinions on Chavez Jr. I don't think he's that good, and I don't think he cares enough. 
So I, I I can't expect him to beat any top ten super middleweight. Like I know Ham is talking about setting this fight up with Froch, I think in February two thousand fifteen, but Froch would watch him. Uh, I would I would love to watch it. I really would. I would love to see Froch beat the hell out of him. But um I mean then where does he go from there? You know? Um so if if he wants to win they got to give him, you know, fringe contenders, journeymen, you know. Um, may, may, you know what? Maybe maybe they can give him the guy that's just not Porky Medina. I think that, that, that that's probably the best opponent he can beat at super middleweight, Porky Medina. So, you know, uh, send him up with those type of fights and uh, maybe maybe get Andre Ward over there because, you know, I don't think they're giving him Triple G on HBO. So, you know, he don't got no reason to stay there. Um Hanji work to finally get a payday, and uh, Chavez can you know finally be. Actually, you know what? If you lose Andre Ward, I don't think it messes with your marketability. It's like losing a four. You know, people automatically it's like you know he's gonna lose. You know, it doesn't matter. So yeah, yeah, I would. That, so that's that's a good fight to take because if he loses the Ward, it won't hurt him. He can take another big fight. So you know, you know, feed him with Porky Medina. You know, feed him Andre Ward. Then, uh, then feed him, you know, uh, a top ten guy that he's supposed to have a chance against, who will blow him out, and then you know retire him. Ishmael, what, what do you think? You know, is, would be the best move that Al Heyman can make and can help uh, our our friend, our our. He's it is a weed head at that, a weed head friend, Julio Cesar Chavez, who's probably somewhere right now snacking. Best move would be give him Chad Dawson. Jesus. <laughs> I think he's somebody you can work with. He, he wouldn't even, exactly, he, 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 he wouldn't even have to lose Chad no weight. He, <laughs> he wouldn't have to lose no weight. He could stay at 180, you know, like he normally does. <laughs> Get some rounds in. You never know. But see, like Ryan said, it's just like Heyman has a lot of fighters out. You know, he has the Durrell brothers. He has Edwin Rodriguez. So he has opponents. But like you said, can he really beat any of these guys? No. Let alone get down to the weight. <laughs> I would say no, too. I would say no, too. And then if he tries to move up to his natural weight, quote-unquote, which would be 175, he's definitely getting hurt there. I mean, think about it. What? John Pascal, uh, Stevenson, those, they would kill him. So he's in a tough spot. I actually like what Ryan laid out. That is actually a safe route to getting a decent payday. The Frotch thing... He, he would get hurt in that one. He would uh, to me Triple G would have hurt him too. He's just waiting to yeah, get exposed. Like, it's just a matter of how many paydays he gets. Give him Frotch after Ward, you know? You know, the, the right. you know, that that's his final hurrah. But here's the other thing. I'm not even convinced that he this Heyman thing is gonna go through because from the track record, top rank has been pretty much undefeated when it comes to these courtroom battles about contracts. So you know, if Aram is saying that they got a solid contract, I'm inclined to believe him. The same thing that happened with someone Donaire when he tried to jump. The only thing that makes it kind of iffy is that I wouldn't think Heyman would come out like this unless he was absolutely sure that it was legit. But, you know, I think probably Aram's contract is understand that in court. And I think this is still, I mean, technically you can't take him away as an advisor, you know, because he's not a promoter. And that's going to, mm-hmm. I think he's going to sit on the shelf. You know, wait, he's not going to get a major fight in February. I'm, this is going to take at least until the summer to resolve, I think, unless, unless they come to some type of compromise, which I don't see happening because they hate each other as far as Haven and Aram goes. 
And, you know, although, you know, from this aspect, if Top Rank knows he doesn't want to sign an extension, why not just let him fight the last fight on his contract and be done with it? Or is just Bobby Arum, you know, that, you know, power-hungry and that controlling thinking he can convince him to stay with the stable? Why not just try to find him one more big fight, cash out, let him get beat, and then he's somebody else's problem? I think with Aram's situation, kind of if you want to look at the musical situation, it's kind of like if I find you out of obscurity, you blow up and become a star. I feel in my mind that I'm still entitled to cash back in on my investment, quote-unquote. So when you look at Chavez, they have groomed him since forever. You know, when he was fighting on Pacquiao undercards, looking terrible, you know, back in 2009, 2010, you know, giving him soft touch after soft touch to build his name up. They did all that. You know, they built him up to where he is now. So they're trying to get as much money out of him as possible before letting some other promoter or some other entity cash in on everything that they built up. So on one hand, I can kind of see where they're coming from, saying just a one-fight extension, but Thomas was saying it was actually two. I think they were talking about his comeback fight plus the major fight. So really it was either the Frotcher or the Lovkin fight, I think, in the fight after that is what they were really trying to get. At least that's what Chavez was saying was in the contract. Um, on my end, that doesn't sound too bad, but you know, I'm also not the one taking the punches, too. So I can also see where Chavez is coming from, especially considering the opponents he would be fighting, too, you know, what condition he probably would be in after that. So at this point, fighting is better than not fighting, kind of like the same thing we've seen with Ward. So I would say just to resolve it, take it if I were in his corner. But, you know, Heyman has been in his ear, I would say, probably at least for the last year. And we see what's happened with the other fighters. When Heyman says don't fight, the fighters don't fight. So he's telling them something that they want to hear. Yeah, okay, I'd say so it would entirely depend on who he'd have to fight. Like, if he can get away with fighting some, you know, nobody serious, then go ahead and take the fight, and then you're done. Because <laughs> he needs to tune up anyways because he's been inactive. Yeah. Well, then, I'll throw this question out. Who who do we see fight first? Uh, and I'm going to say here in 2015 because it's not going to happen this year. Who has the fir- who has their first fight of next year? Uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. or Andre Ward? Andre Chavez Jr. I'm going to go with, you know what, I'm I'm, I'm going to go with Ward. Mm. I don't know who, but I'm going to go with Ward. Because I do think this contract dispute with, 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 you know, top rank is just really going to hold, it's going to hold Chavez up. And I know Ward has already been out of the ring for so long because, like, you know, he's got, like, a head start on inactivity. Or at least Chavez did fight this year, right? Yeah, he fought Vera. Uh, I was the Brandon, yeah, Vera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Ward, you know, Ward didn't fight this year. You know, he hasn't fought since you know uh, 2013. So I think he's just been on the shelf for so long that he'll he'll come back first. So who's who's Ward's comeback opponent? I I do not know <laughs> that, that much. I do not know. Hey, let's let's dig up uh, Zinzor. How about that? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, dangerous opponent, right? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, hmm. Comeback opponent for Ward. Uh, really, he should just go ahead and fight Kessler again over in Denmark. That was a good idea. 
before. I mean, it would make a big payday for him. It would make sense because he's, despite what he may think and what he may say, he's not really that major of a draw here in the States. Uh, go out and go get that international money. Go build that fan base over there. Uh, they love boxing. Uh, you can get paid. You can have a very winnable fight because Lord knows how much is actually left in Miguel Castle at this point. Why not do it? Uh, right. But I think Andre Ward's pride is too much to where he doesn't want to uh, negotiate his way out of, uh, of the court battle he's in right now with Goose and Duder. He's going to fight that tooth and nail until he finds that he just has zero chance of winning that battle. So I don't know. Uh, we'll see, but, you know, I, I think I'm going to lean towards – I'm going to agree, Ryan. I honestly think it's going to be Ward who's going to have the first fight of 2015 amongst him and uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Um, I, I honestly don't, I honestly think it'll be this time next year before Chavez Jr. has even had a fight or we're talking about him having a fight. I, I see oh, maybe wow. Mexican – was it Mexican Independence Day? This, uh, a single, okay, Mexican Independence Day is in September. I see him maybe he had running a car then. That would make the most sense because they're not going to be able to give him a single de Mayo day if Al Heyman has anything to do with it. And Hussein Floyd's going to have an opponent in September of next year. Although I will say Floyd's going to avoid Anthony Mundine after he becomes a mandatory here. That's neither here nor oh. there. Um, oh, never mind. Chavez can't make 160. <laughs> I was, I was no. thinking of a fight that he might get. No, he can't make 160. There's no way in the world. No way whatsoever. <laughs> he, He's going to he make 160. Uh, he would definitely fight Jermaine Taylor. I would say that would be for sure, but but he can't make it. Oh God, that that's just a train wreck waiting waiting to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but let me reach out to Tommy Junior, Tommy Carpenci on NBC. How about that? Oh, Tommy, Tommy would give Chavez that work, man. He would give him the work. <laughs> um, I'm in class. <laughs> Well, I'm going to reach out here to our first guest tonight here, uh, uh, Joseph Jojo Diaz here of uh, of, um, of Golden Boy. He is a, a Golden Boy fighter. He's you never know. He could be one of the last like good fighters they could have. I mean, he's, he's know, interesting guy. But we'll see if we can get him on the line. So uh, bear with me. I'm going to go silent. So talk amongst yourselves. Well, we want to bring him here on the air. <laughs> So Ryan, tell us how the uh the spar has been going since you got back into it today. Um you know that um prospect you saw in that twenty four seven video with Hopkins and Kovalev, the one that B Hot was sparring? Yeah. Yeah, that's the guy I work with. Oh, okay. So, cool, cool. Yeah. Um it was um I was a little sloppy today, but defensively I was good. Um yeah, just it's just got to get comfortable, you know, fighting. Uh, I just got to, you know, it was my first day sparring, so mm-hmm. I, something I want to do, like you know, is as many days as possible, you know, just to get. Cause it's all about being relaxed in the ring, you know. The fighting is gets way harder when you're not relaxed, and uh, that's kind of what got to me in my my pro debut. It's just uh, too much nerve, so I just gotta gotta get comfortable. Just just you know, act like the ring is my living room or something. Now, when you say nerves, were you looking like Jermaine Taylor nervous in there? <laughs> kind of, to be honest. Yeah, you know how wound up he is.
Let's see. On Showtime right now, they have Hugo Contento versus Gerardo Ibarra. And when did this card happen? This is a repeat. That was a couple months ago. So I'm waiting for Jojo Diaz. What's your opinion on him? His uh, um, feeling. I like him. He's, he's a good prospect. Um, I thought he, he accounted uh, well for himself in the uh, 2012 Olympics. I mean, I know mm-hmm. he lost in the second round, but he was fighting the reigning world champion. And honestly, it was one of them fights that with different judges, you know, he might have won. Yeah. I think he has a really good right hand for a softball. You know, normally softballs don't really have solid right hands, but he has a pretty good hook. That's one thing that caught my eye when I watch it when I watch his fights. I'm interested to see or hear how he feels about um his opponent coming up. It's kind of a step down from his last fight last fight. Yeah. And maybe know, a step Fox down Sports. from his, his last two fights. Yeah, probably. Yeah, definitely. Well, oh, we can't. You know, you know, fought over the weekend. Um, Shannon Briggs, he fought in Mississippi, picked up another first round knockout. I think he extended his streak to thirty five, thirty five first round knockouts in his career, I believe. And, and that was Mississippi make, scale. That that's the third highest of all time. Yep, thirty five. Talk about this. The fact that he is now, well, he was number seven by what, the WBA before even going into this fight? Right, something like that. So there's a good chance that he can end up getting a title shot without having fought a top ten opponent. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, look, if it's a regular WBA title shot, like, I'm sure he's already approved now. Like, right. uh, Shagaev just has to, you know, tell him he wants to fight and they'll fight. But I'm not. I'm not sure I even take that fight if I'm Briggs because that's risky. Cause even I know Shagaev is pretty much done, but hey, um, he could still be Briggs. So uh, <laughs> if I'm Briggs, I, I, keep, really... I, I, I keep talking right. crap until Vladimir Klitschko finally takes the fight. <laughs> All right, I'm back, guys. Um, that was that didn't end well, but JoJo is actually calling in now, so hopefully everybody can hear me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, Joseph. You're live here now on the ruckus. We appreciate you calling in, Joseph. I, I'm sorry about the technical difficulties today. It's live radio. These things happen. Um, again, we're, yeah, we're uh, joined here by <laughs> joined by here by JoJo Diaz. Uh, you'll be fighting here next Thursday on Fox Sports One. Uh, Ishmael, man, got a question here for JoJo? Yes, I do. Uh, Jojo, I kind of wanted to ask you your take on your opponent that you have coming up. Um, you know, your last fight against Aldago, that was the main event headlining card. He was on a little bit of a win streak. This is kind of opposite, being that, you know, this fighter, he's lost six of his last seven fights. How have you been able to keep yourself up and keep yourself motivated, knowing that, you know, this is more than likely kind of a step down in the opposition you've been facing lately? Well, uh, you know what? Um, Roberto Castaneda... He's actually uh, not a step down. Uh, the reason why I took this fight is because uh, this guy's a really a tough fighter, and um, his last fight, he fought a, a undefeated prospect, future prospect. I believe he's from Puerto Rico. 
Joshua Lopez or something like that, Wonder Boy, and um, he actually dropped a Wonder Boy about like four times during the fight. And it, there was it was a lot of controversy saying that uh, Robert won that fight, and um, they gave it to uh, Wonder Boy. But everybody uh, that watched the fight and that watched it on YouTube and stuff like that said that Roberto Castaneda he won the fight. So um, when the when they brought up his name and stuff like that, I I felt like uh, I wanted to prove that. I'm better than uh, these other prospects, and that uh, I could I could uh, beat this uh, guy Robert Castaneda with ease, man. And uh, that's what I want to do, man. Uh, Roberto Castaneda, he ain't no joke. He hits pretty hard, and uh, as you can see in his last fight, he dropped the guy three times a, a, a prospect, and it was a really good fight, man. So I'm getting ready, and uh, I, I just can't take him lightly. Gotcha, gotcha. Can you talk a little bit about how you developed your right hand? Because normally with southpaws, you know, the right hand is normally kind of weak, even with the jabs, the hooks. But you have a lot of power, I noticed, in your hooks. You even got a knockdown in your last fight. I think two knockdowns off of that hook. Just talk a little bit about how you developed that punch as a southpaw. Well, you know what? Me and my father uh, and my trainer, um, he's been, uh, we've been focusing on my, my, lead, uh, my lead punch because uh, I feel like whenever uh, my opponents, they want to, uh, you know, throw a jab or or try to uh, initiate the fight. They're they're always dropping the lead hand, and I feel like uh, if if my my hook's gonna land, it might as well be effective. So me and my father, we've been practicing on uh, you know throwing my 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 lead hand with power and sitting down on the shot and uh, affecting the guys and and make, making sure that it's gonna hurt the my opponent. Gotcha. What would you say you think is the most underrated aspect of your game at this point in your career? Uh, you know what? Um, I think uh, my defense. A lot of people, uh, they haven't seen my defense. Well, they they have seen my defense. I've been uh, doing, uh, you know, blocking and stuff like that. But I haven't really got uh, got to the point where I could, uh, you know, box around and uh, you know, slip and and dodge the punches and and counter and all that stuff. I haven't got to the point where I could actually show all my defense that I have. Uh, I feel like. Um, Maybe with this fight, Robert Castaneda, I feel like he's going to be a little aggressive and he's going to try to, uh, you know, find me on the outside and then be aggressive on the inside. And I think this fight, uh, you're going to see a lot of defense, uh, um, more more of defense in in my uh, way of winning and my my strategy. So that's that's what I'm going to do uh, this fight. Gotcha. Ryan? Hi, JoJo. What's up, man? I'm good. I'm good. I remember NBC put on a short documentary for you during the Olympics before your fight with Lazaro Alvarez, and you talked about fighting to get your family out of poverty. How far along have you gotten so far? Oh man, I mean, I mean, it's 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 steady, man. But uh, you know what? I'm I'm helping out my parents right now. Uh, they're living with me right now, and I I I mean. Uh, I'm paying all the bills and I'm paying the rent and stuff like that. And I get to I get to help them out. Uh, you know, I, I just feel good that uh, I get to help out my parents like that, knowing that uh, that they don't have to worry about anything. And uh, you know what? It's just steady by steady. Eventually, I'm gonna get to the point where I could I could buy my parents a house and buy them a new car and uh, and just and I mean, sky's the limit. And just uh, do what do what I have to do to take care of my family. You made it to the second round in the um, 2012 Olympics before you lost to reigning world champion, you know, Lazaro Alvarez. 
How good was he, and do you think you'll be fighting boxers that good as professional um, anytime soon? Um, you know what? Alvarez was a, uh, a tough fighter, man. He, he fought on the outside pretty well. Uh, I felt like uh, I did enough to win that fight in the Olympics. Um, I felt like I was landing the clean and effective shots, but uh, fortunately uh, they weren't scoring uh, my, my shots, my body punches, and they, were, they weren't uh, seeing that Alvarez was just holding on and uh, trying to, you know, kill time. But um, uh, hopefully I get to fight another uh, another boxer just like that in, in, in pro boxing because, I, I mean, I'm really good with the guys that really want to, you know, try to box and move around. I'm good on, uh, you know, cutting cutting off the ring and getting in on the inside and just uh, countering on the inside and countering whenever they initiate. So, so hopefully uh, later on down the line, man, I get to fight a boxer like that so I could prove uh, to everybody that I could fight – any any opponent, man. I could I could beat a boxer. I could beat a brawler. I could beat a a counterpuncher. Whatever they put in front of me, I could I could take care of. And hopefully down the line, uh, I could show everybody, oh everybody, my my whole arsenal. And for what it's worth, I thought you clearly won the second round, despite you know the official cards being seven to four. Um, and you know rounds one and three were pretty tight too. It was definitely a fight that you could have won. Yeah, man, it was a really tough fight, but uh, you know what? I, I just take it as a, a learning experience. I mean, uh, I give Alvarez uh, uh, my credit, man. I tip, tip my hat off to him, man. He's a really good fighter. He's a great boxer, and uh, I, ho- I hope he's he's doing well. Uh, I don't know if if he's still amateur or if he's pro, man, but hopefully, I mean, down the line, me and Alvarez could fight if uh, if he's fighting pro as well, but I'm not sure, man, but I hope uh, I hope he's okay. I hope he's doing well. Okay, your your fight on Thursday, um, you know, what November thirteenth. Yeah. Um, it's it's on Golden Boy Live on Fox Sports One. You know, what is being a part of this series meant to you? Oh man, it, being a part of uh, you know Golden Boy Live and uh, being a part of fighting on uh, Fox Sports One, it's it's been a privilege and it's been a blessing. And I think uh, Oscar De La Hoya, Golden Boy Promotions, and everybody that's uh, Fox Sports One that's uh, been putting me on the card, man. It's, it's just a dream come true, you know. Showing my, uh, I get to show my my boxing my boxing skills and all that exposure, man. Everybody watching and everybody tuning in. It's just, uh, I mean, a great opportunity for me. Especially, I'm so young, and uh, yeah, this is better gonna be my 13th fight, and I'm already fighting on on television and stuff like that. It, it's a dream come true, and I just thank uh, Golden Boy Promotions, Oscar De La Hoya, and uh, Fox Fox Sports One for having me on the on the Golden Boy Live. You're currently campaigning around the super bantamweight division. When it's time to challenge for titles, what division or divisions do you want to target? Uh, you know what? I want to target, uh, you know, uh, the super bantamweight first. I want to fight uh, the 122-pounder. I, I want to uh, become a champion at that, at that weight class first, and then uh, maybe move up in weight, too, and uh, fight at 126 and uh, 130 as well. And uh, depending on how my body feels, I, I know I could, my body could fill out to 126 right now and 130, uh, but depending uh, on how my body feels uh, later on in the future and uh, if I grow any more inches, hopefully. Uh, but if not, then uh, I'll probably just, you know, stop at 130 because I don't want to go gain uh, too much weight and, uh, you know, be in the wrong weight class and just get overpowered and stuff like that. There's no need. So uh, depending on how my body fills out, then I'll see. But uh, right now I'm focusing on 122, and then hopefully later uh, down uh, the line I fight at 126 and 130. You know, at 122 you have the boogeyman, uh, Guillermo Rigondeaux, and nobody wants to fight him. Um, 
Are you hoping he might be gone by the time you you know you're ready to take that world title shot? Oh uh, no, well it really don't matter, man. I seen uh, Guillermo breaking down. He's a really tough fighter. He's a uh, he's great boxer and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, I mean, everybody's uh, you know beatable. Everybody uh, has that uh, effect that um everybody ha- everybody can lose, man. Nobody's uh, unstoppable and nobody's uh, unbeatable, man. So uh, I mean, if it comes down to the uh, to the line where we're going to have to fight, man. Me and my, my father and Ben there, we're going to come up with a great uh, game plan and hopefully try to beat him. But uh, if he if he's not fighting by then, then I'll I'll just be ready for, uh, you know, whatever uh, champions that's out there that's holding the WBC, uh, WBC belt or the IBF belt at 122 pounds, uh, I'll, be, I'll be targeting them. Yes, yeah, so um, speaking of the IBF title holder, um, Carl Frampton, um, he is, uh, you know, he's still relatively young, so he, he might actually, you know, be around in, you know, three, four years, still world champion. Um, what do you think of him? Oh, Carl Fraxton, he's a really tough fighter, man. He's very good, uh, and congrats on him uh, for being the IBF champion. Um, he's very strong, he's very slick, and uh, he's very aggressive, man. And, uh, I mean, he's a champion for a reason. I mean, nobody's a champion just to, to be a, a world champion. I mean, they... They put in all the work. They put in all the sacrifice, and they're there for a reason. So my hats off to Carl Frampton and to all the champions out there, man, because uh, they worked hard for it. If Carl Frampton fought Leo Santa Cruz, how do you think it would go? Uh, that would be a really tough fight, man. Uh, but uh, I'll be pulling for uh, Leo Santa Cruz. Uh, I think Leo Santa Cruz has a pretty tight defense, and uh, he's longer than Carl Frampton. And uh, Carl Frampton uh, is pretty tough and pretty slick in there, but um, – It'll, it'll, it'll be uh, it'll be pretty tough for Carl Frampton to get on the inside with Leo Santa Cruz because Leo Santa Cruz is kind of long and rangy, and uh, Leo Santa Cruz only fights on the inside whenever he feels like he could uh, he could punch the guy or you know you know affect him or break him down. So it'll be a really good fight, but uh, I'll, I'll th- I think I'll go for uh, Leo Santa Cruz. When you watch these guys fight, is it just for enjoyment, or are you studying them? Oh, mostly for enjoyment, man. I, I like, uh, I love boxing. I love watching the fight. But uh, whenever I see like uh, you know slick moves that they do or whatever uh, techniques that they do, me and my father are always like, man, that's a that's a really good move. We gotta you know practice that. Or we gotta learn that, man. So I mean, it, it's learning and it's just for the enjoyment as well. Uh, who are your boxing idols? You know that you like to borrow techniques from. Uh, my boxing idols are uh, Floyd Mayweather and. Uh, uh, my uh, my boss Oscar De La Hoya. Okay. Um, <laughs> we have a Twitter question here. Um, who is the best European amateur boxer that you faced? The best European amateur boxer that I faced. Um, it it would probably be uh, Luke Campbell. I I sparred on the back in 2010 uh, in England just to you know just to work around because I was fighting over there to fight against uh, Italy just for a dual match and stuff like that. And uh, me and uh, Luke Campbell got some work in. I think we got like six or seven rounds in. And uh, he's pretty he's pretty tough, man. He's pretty strong and rangy. So uh, you, ha- you have to be prepared for uh, that length of a fighter. You have to, you know, slip on the inside and stuff like that. But I think it would have to be Luke Campbell. All right. Um, that's all I've got. Good luck ne- next week, man. Thank you, man. appreciate it. And, JoJo, we actually do have a caller calling in uh, from Southern California with a question for you. So uh, we're going to bring the caller on. Caller, you are live here on the, you're live here on the Rockets. Caller, you got a, a question here for Mr. Diaz? Hello? Uh, caller, you're live, on the air. you're live on the Rockets. You got a question for JoJo? 
Hi, hi. I was calling because I wanted to say that I saw JoJo sparring last week at the at the Rock here in Carson, and he really, really looked amazing. I wanted to wish him luck on behalf of my family and myself. We've seen him since the Olympics. We've seen him grow up. I told him myself that seeing him, I feel like before our eyes, he's grown from from a boy to a man, and I know there's good things coming for him. We wish him lots of luck. Uh, Jojo, this is Nancy, by the way. And, How's it going, Nancy? Uh, and also, one more thing. The, I don't really like um, father, son, and corners. I really feel like they don't work. But seeing the way Jojo and his dad are, it, 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 they have the chemistry. They have a good relationship. I really like the corner that he has, it, especially, you know, having Ben, Joe, um, everybody in his team. He has an amazing team. There's great things coming for him. Thank you. So that's oh, well, all I wanted to say. Well, thank you for calling in and, and giving the positive vibes here to JoJo uh, prior to his fight here uh, next week. Again, that's going to be next week, Thursday, live on Fox Sports 1, another uh, presentation of Golden Boy Live. A big fight card. Um, a lot of um, a lot of young prospects there are part of that card. So, uh, JoJo, man, on behalf of here, us here on the Rockets and at BadCulture.net, wish you the best of luck here next Thursday. I know you said you got, got the weight down. Just maintain it. You got a week out, man. So best of luck with that. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate you guys uh, for having me on the show, and uh, thank you guys for uh, your rich, your wishes and all that. And I'll, I'll be ready to uh, put on a show for you guys uh, November thirteenth, Thursday night. Thank you guys once again. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Absolutely, and we appreciate thank you uh, hanging in there through that the uh, the technical errors there at the beginning. We appreciate that. But again, next Thursday, live on Fox Sports One, we'll be tuning in. Cool, man. All right, thank you, JoJo. All right, well, that was our first guest tonight, JoJo Diaz. Uh, there, uh, we'll be next Thursday, Golden Boy Live. Um, yeah, okay, I'm going to go openly admit this. I hung up on myself, okay? That's why I wasn't live on the air. Oh, gosh. I- I'm, not- <laughs> I'm not used yo, to yo, working Yo, play, play, play the uh, Price is Right losing horn. <laughs> <laughs> so... For me hanging up on myself. Highly appropriate. Yeah. Man, Ginger's going to listen to that and be like, what in the hell? Um, I'm not used to doing that. When, when people call me, like when I have guests on my show, I just haven't called in. I don't do the re- three-way call because, quite honestly, I've never learned how to do it on my iPhone. That's not going to lie to you. It's a very underutilized tool. So I honestly messed with it a little bit this uh, morning at work to see if I could get it to working because um, I know it's going to have to do it for the show. First time I'd ever tried it here on my phone, so it failed. Uh, so we got two more guests. Oh, so wow. hey, if I can get two out of three right, we, we we looking good. I think I know how to fix this next go brown. But uh, our next guest will be on here in about ten minutes. But since we uh, just had JoJo on the air, uh, we might as well preview the card here. Uh, well, I didn't mean it's next week, but – I, I, I wanted to get Ryan Vivas' take on this. I mean, we've got the giant, uh, Tish, was it Tashanti? It sounds uh, like he's an army Dong. singer. Tayshawn Dong. Well, he just goes by Tayshawn. He doesn't throw the Dong in. Paul. <laughs> Look, man, Paul. all I know, the dude is huge, and his last name is Dong. So you can call him Huge Dong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ryan, pause on that. Pause on that, but... That, I mean, it's a it's a big prospect card for them. Um, also, um, uh, Hugo Centeno, 
I'll be fighting on that card. Um, and uh, I know uh, Julian Ramirez is also on that card. But I, I know you'll you'll preview it a lot more uh, in depth next week. But yeah, kind of a, a kind of a Mexican themed card that they're doing on uh, uh, Fox Sports One next Thursday. Should be interesting. You know, the weird thing is, uh, you know, I know, uh, like I said, uh, Hugo Hugo Santana's not on that one. He's on the next one. I'm tripping. There's Diego De La Hoya who's on the card. I'm getting my cards confused. So, I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting. I'll I'll tune in because, quite honestly, I'm not going to watch Thursday Night Football. So, I mean, those are really my options. Thursday Night Football. Oh, no, basketball's on. Oh, man, I'll be watching TNT. So, I'll DVR boxing. Never mind. Never mind. But... Um. All right. Well, before we bring our next guest on, let, let's go ahead and and kind of we'll break this down a little bit. And we'll set the stage here uh, for uh, Luis Arias coming on the show. Now, by now, all of our listeners have probably seen the the viral video that hit early this early last week of uh, Luis out in the parking lot in front of the uh, Mayweather Boxing Club, um, and pretty much, you know questioning Jaylion Love on, on why he had to tell him he was getting released uh, from his contract. So he's going to give us more details on that. But, you know, this just – for those who saw the video, I don't know about you guys, but I just thought it was sad all the way around. And it's just a sad state of boxing and a sad business practice if things are handled that way by someone who calls uh, themselves a promoter, that you have another fighter within the promotion to call somebody in the middle of the night to, to release them out of their contract. I just thought it was weird all the way around. Although my favorite part of the video, at the end there's a guy who asked Floyd, I'll give you $100 for a photo. No if anybody caught that. I caught that and thought it was hilarious. But, uh, I mean, when you guys first seen that, what was your reaction to, to the to the video and how that was all handled uh, by Mayweather Promotions? I haven't seen the video, so it's just take that one. <laughs> oh, jeez. Come on, Ryan. <laughs> You know, firing somebody or letting somebody go, it's never never a fun thing to do. There's always ways you can handle it better. There's really no good way to give that news, so to speak. Um, on Lewis's end, I would always say I think he got caught up in that whole where family, you know, this is thicker than blood, blah, 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 all that stuff. You know, really, this is a situation where that's your employer. You know, there's no friends when it comes to that. It's business. And I think, unfortunately, with Floyd befriending a lot of those younger fighters, they can get those things mixed where they do think, you know, this is family, Floyd's my family, he's my boy. Nah, he's your boss. You know, those lines should always be separated. And I don't think they have been when it comes to Midweather promotions and their fighters. You know, I think we all know Jay Leon Love. He has a privileged position within the brand. I don't think any of us knew it was that privileged where he, you know, he's basically acting as a, you know, middle management, firing people. But I guess that's the role he has. He may be the liaison between Mayweather and the fighters. You know, that might be his role, and that's just the first time we're seeing it. Um, it does make me wonder when we get him on the phone to get his side of it exactly what he did to cause this to happen. You know, because he's undefeated. He seems to be moving along pretty nicely at this stage. You know, what exactly happened to the point where he has to get let go that quickly in the middle of the night? So I can't understand why he was upset. But uh, I think this is a good lesson for him to learn early on, especially when it comes to promoters as a young fighter. You know, it needs to be all business. They're not your friends. You know, you make sure you look out for yourself, and you make sure that you don't put yourself in a position where you're going to get screwed, you know, basically. 
So I don't know if he got too caught up in the lifestyle. You know, we're just speculation at this point until we get Lewis on the phone to find out exactly, you know, what the reason was or what the reason he was told it was done. Absolutely, absolutely. And those will be questions we'll post to him here in about five to ten minutes when he's happy on the air. Now, a, a video, Ryan, I know you did see because you tweeted it out uh, to me and Ishmael. Our, our guy, um, AB, man, about billions, he's out here in the streets. Now, I, let me oh. tell you this. When I, when I first heard him say that at the beginning of the video, I mean, we out here, I'm thinking, you're a professional boxer. You shouldn't be out here or out there or out here or in there. You should be in a gym focusing on your craft. My head hurt after watching that. Um, thank you for setting the culture back, uh, A.B. Ryan, man, what what is wrong with him? Like, seriously, like, does he need a hug and a role model? His role model is Floyd Mayweather, and that's the problem. <laughs> like, honestly, like, he, he looks to Floyd Mayweather for guidance and, and support in, in his darkest hour. So from, from, from the jump, he, he's already in trouble. Uh, the, the kid, you know, I just think he wasn't meant for fame. I mean, I know he wants fame. And, you know, he really enjoys it, but he wasn't meant for it because he, he doesn't know how to react. He just, he's one of them guys, by the time he's 30, I think he's just going to be like uh, washed up, you know, has been that people feel sorry for. And, you know, his, his life is just, you know, Moving too rapidly, he needs to slow down. And um, I don't know why, you know, he, he feels so compelled by, you know, all, all the distractions out there. But it's 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 hurting him. It really is. Yeah, it definitely seems that the mental focus isn't there. Um, Ishmael, what did you think when you saw saw the video and just saw him talking about, you know, if I should die and. You know, I just wanted, you know, you don't get a chance to say goodbye to people. Like, what do you think was really going on in his mind or was anything going on in his mind when he was just rambling on here in this video? I thought he was on drugs initially, but he was just high, you know. You know, when, I don't know if you've ever been around people who get high. It doesn't even have to be hard drugs, even just weed. You know, you get rambling, bullshit like that. So that's the first thing that popped in my mind. I wasn't too alarmed because it's Adrian Broner, and, you know, he's already on one when he's not high. So I was expecting something stupid to come out of his mouth. Uh, to piggyback on what Ryan said, you know, fame is, it breaks a lot of people. It breaks a lot of strong people. You know, we've seen that in all facets of entertainment and sports. And Adrian Broner does not seem like the strongest person. You know, we got glimpses of that when he lost to Madonna. You know, his reaction afterwards, you know, how he dealt with it. So, of course, with any fighter, you're going to lose. You're going to lose probably a couple times, especially if you're fighting top-level opposition. So I can see that scenario. You know, if he gets a couple more tough losses, which will probably happen, you know, how is he going to be able to deal with it? How is the fight going to be able to deal with it? You know, he already has five kids. Said in the video, he's about to have another one. That's a lot of pressure outside of boxing to deal with. And it just still seems like he's not completely focused on what he needs to be focused on, which is boxing. You know, if you look at it as he focused more, if he focused on boxing the way he focuses on procreating, he'd already be a legend. So it's just like his focus isn't there. Um, people can change, of course, but it doesn't look like it's going to be a happy ending for him. He's gotten a lot very, very quickly. He's been blessed very abundantly more than a lot of the fighters more talented than him. 
and it doesn't seem like he really appreciates it because it came so fast. And I think he really thinks his gimmick is working because even when you're talking about he's acting like Mayweather, this is beyond Mayweather. This is like bizarro Mayweather the way he acts. It's like if you took Mayweather persona and had Dave Chappelle do like a Chappelle skit, then you would get Adrian Bronner. It's like everything's to the extreme and just off-brand. Mayweather has never went this stupid in the things that he's done. You know, even when he was just at his worst, I would say, kind of around the De La Hoya fight, that period, as far as the antics go, never been this bad. You know, he always knew kind of when to turn it off. But, you know, there is no turn off with Bronner because this is pretty much, I think, his real personality. So... You know, I just really hope this Matisse fight comes off. Just get it over with. Because, you know, that, I think that will just end this sideshow quickly for the most part. That's my take on it. I I have to agree. I, I really, I, I don't know. I mean, the talent is there. I, I do believe he does have talent. And I just think it's just not, he's not using his energy in, in a proper manner. And I think, unfortunately for him, it's, for a guy like him, it's going to happen. He'll get it once it's too late. And that's that's kind of my fear I see with him. His talent's going to be squandered, but then he's going to get what he should have been doing as an adult and as a professional when it's far too late, when the limelight's far uh, off of him. Um, you know, he's going to be a club fighter, still trying to struggle and do his thing uh, on Friday night fights. And we'll be showing old highlights of him when he was flashy A.B. and having struggle raps come out to the ring. So I, I do see that, that unfortunately happening in the world. He's going to be uh, going down. But Oh, we're gonna we're gonna try again for me to call in and bring in our guest, uh, Luis uh, Aris. Um, gentlemen, you know if you don't hear me for a second or it's a long pause, just bear with me. Uh, again, it could be technical <laughs> difficulties. And, and I have to say this because Ryan Bivens started coming on the bus last week. I am highly sober here this evening. Okay, Ryan Bivens, trying to negotiate somebody. <laughs> I, I don't I don't even know how I should really 100% take that. I don't know if that's a compliment or what, but I'm 100% sober. I, I got my high tea and limit, so I'm going to call uh, uh, Mr. Arez and, and, and see if we can bring him on. Uh, Arias. Oh, man, I, I want to make sure I didn't say his name right. Arias. 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 There we go. There go. Mr. Arias here on the, on the air. So I'm going to dive him in. Let's see if I can get him on. Oh, did um did Luis already sign with Top Rank or are they just, you know, negotiations? I'm we'll find that out here. Yeah. Yeah, we might as well ask him. Well, while well, Brandon works that out, let me ask you this, Ryan. If you were to take a prime Joe Frazier and dump him into the heavyweight division right now, how do you think he would do? I think he would be undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. That was an easy question. Got no arguments from me. <laughs> <laughs> Who gives him the toughest fight outside of, uh, obviously, Vladimir? Vlad. Um, hmm. Hmm. Probably, maybe Pulev, right. or maybe, um, maybe uh, Brian Jennings. 
Brian Jennings would be interesting. Jennings and uh, Frazier. At least for a couple rounds. All right. Well, I tried him. I'm going to try him again here shortly. It just it rang and he didn't answer. Could have been could have been the area code, so we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. So we want to send him a kite here via Twitter because everybody knows they check their social media and make sure that he knows that uh, it is us there here at the Ruckus attempting to get a hold of him. So let's send him a quick kite, and then we're going to try to call him again and get him on uh, because it is a lot of interesting questions. Because, you know, I don't know if everybody saw the – uh, the pick of him standing next to Bob Arum, thought that was a little bit, that creeped me out a little bit because, again, Bob Arum, when, when I met him face-to-face, Bob Arum scared me. So, I don't know, man. That guy's still so. <laughs> yeah, um, our guy, Atomic Poet, on Twitter wants to know how Prime Butterbean would, would do in today's heavyweight division. He would still be the king of the four-rounder. Yes. Hey, look. If Kimbo Slice fought him, he would beat the hell out of Kimbo Slice. Oh, first round knockout. First round knockout for Buddy Bean. Okay, how would how would Buddy Bean do against David Price though? Who? Oh, David Price. Price. I think he might get Price. <laughs> oh, David Price. Yo, that, that's competitive fight. I'm I, for real. Like Price would have to just you know try to lure him into the later rounds. If Price went for it. Like you know, like he usually does, or at least before you know Tony Thompson gave him that work. Um, yeah, that's the fight that Butterbean could have won. I think Price now definitely is too fragile. I think Butterbean gets some old Price. I, I probably lean towards him a little bit. Price is fighting smarter now, though. You know, I think Price, you know, just using his length, his jab, and you know his feet, he could keep Butterbean yeah. away. Because Butterbean ain't in no kind of shape. Um, he's only knocking Price out if Price decides to stand and trade with him. Now, since we're talking about heavyweights, what if we took not prime Larry Holmes? Let's take forty-year-old Larry Holmes <laughs> and put him in this division. I, I think he picks up a couple titles. Hey man, he he could beat um what's the name uh, Ray Mercer. So hell yeah, he could he could beat most heavyweight division if he could beat Ray Mercer at that age. Exactly. Cause Ray Mercer would destroy today's heavyweight division. Oh my oh, god! Yes. After what saw what he did to Tommy Morrison, that's what he does to the whole heavyweight division right now. <laughs> yeah, things are things are in a rough state at the moment. Here's a question for you. Does anyone think Seth Mitchell will ever fight again? Uh, he says you know, he says he's training to come back. Like, I think he just did 12 rounds, like, yesterday in sparring. So, yeah, That's he, what I was he'll, he'll, he'll fight again. I'm just wondering, how how do you map out his his return? Opponent-wise. Uh, somebody's off. You know, and I think they, they, they should just build it up for the um, Seth Mitchell, Chaz Witherspoon, too. Oh man! No, that that's so I the take fight it, to me. That's the fight you know, to me. You don't want to, you don't want a Jonathan Banks trilogy. No, no, no! Fuck, fuck the Banks trilogy. <laughs> 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 he he still has some explaining to do after that second fight because all he had to do was throw a couple punches. That fight was over with. <laughs> right. I, I, I got some questions about that fight. I really do. Yo, if if Banks if Banks does the same thing as Tyver, yo, yo, we gotta have some words. 
Like, yo, John, <laughs> how much how much money they paid you not to throw any punches, man? What's up? Exactly. Well, that's my theory. Uh, okay. I'm surprised. Uh, I'm surprised that fight got rescheduled. The the Banks Tyra fight. I thought we were just done with it, but now it's gonna happen end of the year. All right. Well, uh, Louise is gonna be calling in too. Is here momentarily, fellas. He's actually on the line now. This call merging isn't working, by the way. <laughs> so we're bringing we, we here live on the ruckus. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Ishmael. <laughs> Thank you for pointing out the obvious. <laughs> All right, so live right now on the ruckus, we have uh, Luis Arez. Uh, first off, thank you for taking our time coming on the show this evening. How are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing very good. I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Well, man, you've got a lot of a uh, lot of buzz about you over the last uh, week. Um, not of really of your fault, but let's just call it what it is, man. As we told our listeners earlier, we kind of set the stage. You know, the video leaked here early last week of uh, you in the parking lot there in front of the uh, Mayweather Boxing uh, Club and the 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 alter, I don't want to say altercation because that makes it sound violent, but the uh, the scene between you and Javion Love was recorded and we could hear Floyd talking in the background, but we'll, we'll get to that. You know, Mayweather Promotions is known as the past, present, and future boxing. We're going to do that with here with you. Now, in the past, what actually made you align yourself with Mayweather Promotions initially here a couple of years ago? Um, I was uh, introduced to Floyd Mayweather through Hasim Rockman, um, the former champion, heavyweight champ of the world. <clears throat> you know, I had a, uh, you know, building my relationship with him, and we was going back and forth. And then, you know, he was the one that brought me out to Vegas. And uh, when the time came to basically turn pro, it happened to be around the same time that Floyd was in camp for Cotto, and they was looking for middleweights to spar. <clears throat> and um, he basically brought me over the floor, you know, had me basically aud- audition for him and get the get the gig to be a sparring partner. And then that gig ended up turning into me being a part of Mayweather Promotions and being one of his fighters. So um, that's how that played out. And that happened about what the Coda fight was going on three years ago. Yeah, like yeah, years ago. yeah, that's. As a Kodo fan, I, I really don't like that being brought up. That's a, kind of a darker moment for me being a Kodo fan. So appreciate you bringing that up here on the air. My fault. No worries, worries at all. Now, during that time there, uh, underneath the Mayweather banner, uh, now, now mind you, you didn't have a, a large amount of fights, but you actually had a – they kept you fairly, you know, decently busy. Do you feel during that time frame uh, that you were with them, which was up until last week, that they gave you the proper push – and maybe the proper media spin uh, that you needed as a fighter as an up-and-coming prospect, or did you think it was kind of kind of limited and kind of hit or miss? Um, well, initially they were keeping me busy. Um, for my first year as a pro, I put up seven or eight fights. And then the next year after that, I only put up two fights. Uh, I felt like they could have done, you know, just a little bigger job, because a better job, because I was proven to be a legit prospect. I was proven to be you know, a future contender and a future world champion. I was keeping my end of the deal going. You know, I was taking fights. Didn't matter who really I was fighting. I was moving up in rounds quickly. You know, my second fight was a six-rounder. I wanted my fifth fight to be an eight-rounder, you know, but, you know, we kept going. We kept going. I've been getting the rounds, and I've been moving at a very good I was moving at a very good pace, so... um I felt like it could have been a little better, but, you know, at the same time, I couldn't complain. Um... 
I was getting the fights. I was getting the exposure, just being attached to them. You know, I was still undefeated. I was fighting on, on good cards. And there was just other guys, you know, in the promotion who were, you know, above me in terms of their positions in their career, which is why they were getting their promotion and they were getting what they were getting, you know. But I was just trying to, you know, just keep my cool and keep my end of the deal by just winning and, pro- and progressing, which I was doing, you know. I was definitely doing that, and I was I was bringing them wins. You know, I, I had put up the most wins for them since the very beginning. Now, you know, everything broke down. Uh, I know you said that you'd actually gotten a call uh, middle of the night from uh, Jay Leon Loves letting you know that you were going to get released, and you're like, yeah, whatever. I'll wait to hear it from Floyd's mouth directly. Now, prior to that phone call, was there any sort of signs, any sort of uh, shade or any sort of, you know, people looking at you or they feeling some sort of way the days leading up to that, or was it just literally came out of the blue? Well, I mean, I, for the most part, I thought uh, everything was good. You know, like when the Floyd fight came around, you know, I was I was real active with the whole TNT thing. I was at all the events. You know, I was you know belt barbecue appreciation party. Every all the everything I was there, I was I was supporting him while he was sparring. You know, I was I was doing everything. So I felt like it did come out of you know left field. Given that I just fought and I just won again, you know, <clears throat> but at the same time, you know, uh, he must have just felt a certain type of way and he decided to do what he did, you know. But uh, I, I was ready, you know. It, it, things happen in the sport, you know, and you can't, you can't really just, I can't really just dwell on that. Just, just keep moving forward, you know. It happened and. Whether it was out the blue or whether I was giving signs, it happened, and it's just now it's time to just move forward. Now, and speaking of moving forward, we've you know we've we saw the Instagram pic of uh, you standing next to Bob Arum. Uh, we know that a lot of other um, promoters and, and managers have probably reached out to you uh, here in the last week. What will you need to see or get out of a promoter before you sign with them? Uh, to really progress your career going forward, because whoever you sign with, you're going to be locked into for the next few years. What will you need out yeah. of them that you didn't get out of Mayweather promotion per se to go forward? Well, um, I have a, a brand new daughter in mind, so I basically have to just make sure she's okay and my career is okay because the way my career is handled is the way she's going to eat. So it's going to just basically come down to the, who, who, the one who could propose the best get business plan and game plan for me. You know, I understand the business. I understand, you know, everything that goes on, you know. So uh, it's going to come down to who could basically give me the give me the best TV dates, the most TV dates possible, who can push me the, you know, the best and, and promote me the best and who can help build my brand the best. You know, um, I'm in, I'm in. I'm listening to everybody. You know, uh, there's a lot of different companies out there who can who present different ideas to me. But like I said, it's gonna come down to who can who can give me the most exposure and who can move me like a legit contender. You know, um, I feel like I'm 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 one or two fights away from from being stop being labeled a, a prospect. You know, I'm I'm ready to go ten rounds, and I fear I see a title shot within one or two years. You know, given the the correct promoter the right promotion, the right, you know, people pushing me and building the brand. So it's going to basically come down to that, you know, who, who can who can present the best game plan for me. You know, I'm young. I'm 24 years old. 
but I can make a lot of noise in this game, and that's my plan. You know, I, I plan to go after the big fights. You know, the, I'm a very marketable young man, and uh, I, I plan on taking full advantage of that, and I'm going to need the promoter who's willing to get me behind that. Uh, Ishmael, you got a question? Yeah, Lewis, I wanted to ask you, as far as your time with Mayweather Promotions, what would you say is the biggest lesson you learned from that whole entire situation? Well, I learned I learned a lot. You know, I, I'm I'm very grateful for what I've learned these last two years. Obviously, Florida's a pound for pound king, and I was learn I was able to see what it takes to be at that level, the hard work, the dedication. I mean, he yells it a lot, but you know, it's very meaningful to him. I was able to see, you know, the work ethic along as the business part. You know, I see what you got to do to become a big name in the game. You know, I, I was nothing but a sponge these last two years, just absorbing as much information as possible, and he definitely showed me how to do it, you know. But uh, I'm a, I want to do it my own way, you know, for my little own twists and turns. But he basically showed me the game plan, showed me uh, the blueprint to how to get it done, and that's exactly what I'm going to do is I'm going to just follow the blueprint. How long do you think it's going to take you before you make a decision on um, who to sign with? Um, well, the people I've already been talking to right now, you know, it's the end of the year. Thanksgiving is coming up. Christmas is coming up. So really, whoever I do sign with, we won't start getting pushed into January, February anyway. So hopefully, you know, by the end of the, uh, you know, <clears throat> definitely by the end of the year, I'll make a decision. Definitely, uh, hopefully, you know, early early December, um, mid-December. You know, I, it's going to take some time to get those contracts laid out and get listen to everybody. Like I said, I, I'm not jumping, I'm not jumping on the first, <clears throat> the first offer right away. Um, you know, I, I need to get my team together as well as listen to everyone out. Uh, so I understand that that's going to take time because I want all my meetings to be done face to face. I feel like you know I'm a, I'm a legit prospect. I have a very good case, and I'm I'm a very good fighter for you know any promoter. So um, I'm gonna try to handle all all my business in the most professional manner. And I would like to sit down with each and every one of the promoters who's interested and and, and hear everyone out. So I know that that's going to take some time. And for this whole next month, that's what I plan on doing. Gotcha. Ryan? Hi, Lewis. Um, if we were to sit down with, you know, Mayweather or, you know, people from his promotional company, you know, what do you think they would identify as the reason for dropping you? I wish I, I could tell you that, you know, because really pretty much that whole confrontation and that whole video that was leaked, that's basically what it was, was just me just trying to find an answer. And uh, just knowing Floyd and what went down, I don't think we'll ever get a legit answer. But um, if you ask me personally, I think it was more like an ego thing. It was more like an ego thing because, uh, you know, my relationship with the Rockmans. I don't see nothing else. You know, like I said, I put up 10 fights. I gave them 10 wins. You know, um, I, ha- I haven't been I haven't been dropped. I haven't been clipped. I haven't had any draws. You know, I've been performing. I've been winning, and I've been, you know, trying to stay out of trouble as much as possible. So um, that's the only thing that I can really think of. You know, maybe one day Floyd could just come out and say why, but <clears throat> as of right now, the only thing I can think of is, is that. Um, in those ten wins, who who would you say was a harder opponent, um, Daniel Livingston or Deshaun Johnson? 
I think that Deshaun Johnson was more was more uh, was a tougher fight. Uh, you know, he he just can't. You know, he was a he's, he's like an MMA fighter as well, so he had a lot of little dirty tactics, and he pretty much just used his experience and just just made me fight the, the tough eight rounds. Um, I feel like Daniel had more of a boxing background, had more of a good amateur career, so me and him was 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 a really good chess match. But uh, uh, you know, Deshaun made me. You know, he was headbutting me all night. He was using little roughhouse tactics to try to wear me down. So he really brought you know brought it all out of me. So I thought that was a great fight. But Daniel was also a very good tough fight too. Um, I've been having a lot of tough fights, honestly. Each and every one of my fights, I feel like I've learned from them. And and I got the best out of them. Um, you know, when you, you you're finally ready to get yourself in that title picture, what division do you want to target? Middleweight or super middleweight? No, my 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 goal is is initially to um get the title at middleweight. You know, um, I'm gonna get the title as soon as we can. You know, milk it a couple times, make a couple defenses. There's a couple big fights. You know, at middleweight right now, the middleweight division uh, is a very hot division, in my opinion. There's a couple of big fights that I, I would love to have placed in front of me. You know, we're going to do that, milk the division as much as we can, and then we move up to 68, you know, try to become a two-time a two-time division world champion, and then go after some big fights at 68. You know, the 68 is always going to have, you know, some good names up there that, you know, we could potentially move up and, and create some big fights out of. You know, at middleweight, you know, there's Kennedy Golovkin, and um, you know, a lot of people don't want to fight him. But uh, is that a fight that you would be interested in? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think I, I no, you know, Gennady Golovkin is a great champion. <clears throat> you know, he he's doing what he's doing. He's put it, people are getting put in front of him, and he's knocking them out. You know, but uh, I'm not completely sold on him yet. Uh, I think he needs some bigger names, and I think he's beatable. You know, he. I mean, obviously, just a lot of people are scared of him. But what's going to happen when somebody hits him back? You know, and I guarantee you once once that fight gets presented to me, it ain't going to be no fear this way. So uh, I would love that fight. You know, um, I would love to, to, to get in there with Golovkin and, 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 and set up a huge fight one day. You know, but uh, <clears throat> time will tell. But he's definitely, you know, one of the people I, I would love to fight. You know, I'm not scared of him. <clears throat> and I know I got the tools and do I can do what I do, do what I got to do to make sure I become victorious in that fight, and I think that'd be a great fight one day. You know, knowing that um, you know there's guys that you you know anticipate fighting down the line, um, because they're at a you know a, a more advanced um, you know part of their career, you know they might call you in for sparring. Would that dissuade you from you know taking the assignment? No, absolutely not. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm tending to know right now. I've been. I mean, I've been in part of. Plenty of great camps already. You know, I've been in camp with Floyd. You know, I've been in camp with Chad Dawson when he was heavyweight, like heavyweight champ. I've been in camp with Arizona Delara. So I've been in a lot of different camps with a lot of different world champions. And I would, I mean, I would definitely take it. But <clears throat> eventually, though, I, I'm, I'm gonna have to stop going into all these camps because now I'm eventually, I'm soon about to start having my own camp. Soon, my name will be up in the mix where I'll be having my own camps and. <clears throat> I'll have uh, spawn partners will be, you know, coming in for me. So uh, as of right now, I'm, I'm I'm trying to lean towards getting away from being a spawn partner, <clears throat> but at the same time, I got to take care, I got to take advantage of all opportunities presented to me. Do you think you'll be fighting again this year? Yeah, yeah. My goal is to fight in December, <clears throat> and I will be fighting in December. Okay. All right. Um. Good luck. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it.
And, and, and actually, I had you know a, a few more now. I know that you're you know you're saying you're going to do your own camp and training. Uh, as of right now, where are you actually working out at and still staying in shape? You know, since everything broke down last week. Yeah, well, I, I've still been in shape. I mean, <clears throat> Las Vegas is the fight capital of the world. You know, there's there's a lot of gyms. Um, I went down to the Mayweather Boxing Club already. Um, you know, several times and got my workout there. But, um, you know, I'm bouncing around a little bit. You know, I understand that the tension is, is a little awkward sometimes when I go there and, you know, <clears throat> people, you know, got their opinion. But at the end of the day, my trainers are all there. A lot of my friends are there. So I still go back to the Mayweather Box Club. But um, there's a lot of gyms out here, you know, I can work out at. You know, <clears throat> so I, I'm going to just keep moving around, you know, keep moving around. And, and 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 just keep working, you know. The last thing I need, the last, the hardest thing to find out here is not a boxing gym. There's boxing gyms everywhere, so <clears throat> you know it, it, uh, we're gonna keep working regardless. All right, and, and as well, I, I know you said that you've been there to the gym a couple times. So uh, obviously, your your training and all your trainers and all that that's gonna stay the same going forward. You're still gonna work with that same uh, unit of trainers. Uh, no matter what promoter you go to, what direction you go to, uh, and further, correct? Well, yeah, that that that's given. If I do stay in Vegas, you know, um, given talking to a couple of promoters, um, you know, <clears throat> questions have been asked if, if if I would like to move, and um, I'm definitely open to that. You know, um, <clears throat> I've done a lot here in Vegas, and the change wouldn't be bad. So, like I said, if an offer comes where um, uh, me moving could be a part of the deal. <clears throat> and um, I would I would definitely be open to it, <clears throat> you know. Um, but we we just gotta see how everything plays out, you know. But like I said, I'm, I'm open to a lot of things. I'm I'm listening to everything, and obviously, moving around, switching trainers, and 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 switching places I live has been has been talked about. <clears throat> so we'll just we'll see, and we'll go from there. Absolutely, we'll definitely let the people know. Uh, where they can follow and keep tabs up with you as you make this decision on which promoter and uh, which direction you want to go in, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, give that a shout-out so people can know to follow it and, and know uh, when the news breaks, you'll break it on social media and let fans know where you'll be fighting at next. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, just to everyone that's been following, first off, I'd like to just thank everybody, you know, for their, their love and support with everything that's been going on. Obviously, <clears throat> the things... It, it, everything that happened with me in my career just happened out of nowhere, and I've been having a lot of love and support from a lot of people, whether it's through the Internet, the text messages, everything. I'd like to just thank you for that. Thanks, you guys, for having me on the radio, and continue to follow me because, like I said, this train is going to the top regardless of who's promoting me. And, um, yeah, follow me on Twitter, Luis Cuba Arias. Um, follow me on Instagram, at Luis Cuba Arias as well. Facebook, Luis Cuba Arias. <clears throat> yeah, just keep following me. I, I will continue to make noise, and I and I will be going after those big fights, and I, I will be a a fan favorite very soon, hopefully this year. Well, absolutely, man. We appreciate you taking our time and and sharing your side of a of, of a story of a video that's kind of drove boxing fans a little nuts when we saw it last week. Now, I will say this from a personal note. Now that you said you know you're you're going to campaign it, you know middleweight, one sixty eight. Would it ever be out of the question if proposed to you, and if the, obviously if the situation was right, would you fight a Jalen I love? Would you fight a Badu Jack if a title or the money was right? If that was presented to you, is that something that could legitimately happen? Yeah, it's something that could definitely legitimately happen. 
we all know that this is an individual sport. Once you go in that ring, it's just you in there. Everyone is looking out for each other, for themselves. You know, so, yeah, I would definitely take that fight, you know, but obviously um, my main goal right now is to go after the champion. But let's just say, you know, Badu ends up with a belt or I end up with a belt and Badu is a, is a man, is mandatory or Jay Leon is a mandatory you know, then we have to take care of business. Business is business. So, uh, yeah, if, if those fights do present themselves, I have no choice <clears throat> but, you know, to, to take the fight. And, you know, those guys know it as well. You know, obviously everyone out there, most of the guys out there making noise are super middleweight. So that that, that, that all them fights could potentially happen, you know, and if it is presented to me, the money's right, the titles are in, are in play, then, yeah, that's, that's we're taking that fight. And that's what we love to hear from boxers. Not, not giving a politically correct answer and saying, "Oh, we'll see, we'll see." No, you're saying you'll do it if the money's right, the titles is right. That's what that's what boxing fans want to hear more of. That's fighting the best for belt makes sense. So again, man, we appreciate you taking our time this evening, joining us here on the Ruckus. Uh, you're welcome, guests, anytime, especially after you sign that uh, new promoter deal, man. Come back on, talk about the next coming up fights. Uh, definitely come next year. We we want to hear more and, and see have you more on the show. Okay. All right, thank you, man. I appreciate you guys. We'll keep in touch, and uh, hopefully soon we'll, we'll, I'll be back on here making some type of an announcement. Absolutely, man. We appreciate it, man. All right, thank you. All right, take care. Peace. All right, well, you heard it, fellas. I mean, re- reactions. Uh, so we got a good head on the shoulders. He's not taking it to heart anymore. You know, I think he's realizing that, like you said, this is a business. You got to look out for yourself first. Uh, you are your brand, and I think he's moving forward appropriately. So I think he'll do good. I think he um, just needs the right team behind him, and uh, yeah, take it from there. I think it might be a blessing in disguise, actually. I, I gotta agree with you there. I, I think, especially. You know, I, I got a feeling he's I, I'm just, I don't know anything that anybody else knows, but if he isn't going the top-ranked direction, may end up being really, he could really get a good push there. And I would really stick a thorn in, in Floyd's side if Bob Arum gets somebody that used to work for Floyd. I I, I, I know how Bob Arum operates. Yeah, well, it'll, well, I mean, it already happened. Well, Jesse Vargas. Oh, yeah, well. How many well, what? Jesse he's world champion. <laughs> I, I honestly don't remember Jesse Vargas being a part of Mayweather promotions. Wow! I mean, did he have like yeah, you just one weren't or two paying fights? attention? Yeah, look, I, Je- I, Jesse Vargas was the figurehead of Mayweather promotions when he was there. He was literally their biggest star. Wow! Hey man, I, I, my memory sucks anymore, Bivens. Leave me alone. But I, I remember <laughs> not him one, being there. You're not the one. But I don't remember him fit. fighting that many. <laughs> I did for years, and that's why I stopped because my memory sucks. That and playing football, not good for the brain cells. But well, I remember Jesse Vargas being there, but I, I, I don't know. I digress, okay? <laughs> but, uh, I don't know, great great interview there from uh, Louise. I, 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 oh, man, I don't know. I, I still think that was, it was a raw deal. I will probably never know the real reason behind that. Um, we'll also see how it works out in court with uh, Floyd. Uh, getting sued by the Rodman brothers, so that should be interesting. Uh, but yeah, good good stuff all around. But uh, let's see. Uh, before I reach out to our next guest, let's 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 first do this. Keith Thurman turning down an alleged 
uh, like seven figure deal from Rock Nation. Six uh, million. I mean, really, what is Al Heyman telling these people to where they don't want to part ways or stray away uh, from the herd and go and get their own money? What is he telling them that is stopping them from wanting to work with Jay? I, I know why they want to well, why he's blocking from Jay Z, but. Look, um, I think it comes down to career management. You know, with Al, they know Al is setting up the best possible course for them to continue winning. And, you know, they are fighting for long-term, you know, success in the sport. They don't want the short-term money where, you know, they, they, they take this big check, but they're thrown in with, like, the hardest possible fights that they could have, and then they take a loss, and then, you know, uh, maybe a bad loss, and you know it, it hurts the rest of their career. You think it's more of an ego thing to where? I, well, I mean, because I was reading the, the, the excerpt from you know Keith Thurman, he was like, you know, as close he has his his O, you know, that's always going to make him a hot commodity. He feels he could cash in at any time. But is that maybe the right way of thinking on his end? You know, why no. not take no. the guaranteed money now? Look, um, Thurman is just, uh, he's new to this. and But, you know, he trusts Al. You know, it, trust is important. He, nobody knows Jay-Z, really. It's like he's hes new to the business. You know, he, he's throwing this money around, but it's like, it's suspicious. It's like, you know, why? Why are you offering me this? You know, what, what's in it for you? Because, you know, it, it, you all, you've always got to, you know, read between the lines there. You know, it's got to be something in it for for Rock Nation. Ultimately, I mean, it just it would just seem odd for somebody to be so generous if if there's no like you know, no no um, what do you call it um, what's the word for it? Well, it's like you know, words at the bottom of a contract that you can't see without like a magnifying glass, you know, fine print. Yeah, mm-hmm. fine print, and uh, people are wondering what the fine print is. And um, until they know, um, uh, I think a lot of these big stars are just not going to make the jump. I mean, you don't think he could be really Jay Z, just maybe doing something in good faith and wanting to get his uh, Rock Nation Sports imprint in boxing. I mean, they just uh, they signed another uh, football player this week uh, from my beloved Dallas Cowboys, that Bryant. He's down in management with them. They have other baseball players and football players and basketball players. You know, could it just be something he's legitimately trying to do to just get into the boxing realm, or do you think it is something more sinister that he's trying to possibly steal away uh, fighters from other promoters? It, it it could be either one. You know, he's just you just can't know. And um, you know, fighters are cynical. Um, they they know boxing is a business. Um, so that if they can't trust what a guy's going to do, uh, even if he's you know throwing good money at them, they'll they'll you know go another way. Because it's not like staying without him is going to make you broke. Okay, I mean that's that that that's number one right there. You know, Al Heyman is a proven you know good way to make money in boxing. He 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 has a track record. You know it's you know why if you got something that's already really good. Are you going to jump for the something that might be better with, you know, doubts in your mind? I think that's what it comes down to. 
It's yeah, like a good take on, uh, on Thurman. Yeah, I think that's something to up right there. It's, uh, it takes a very, I don't even know if you want to say ambitious, just, I guess, adventurous or risk-taker to jump in a situation like that with someone or a company that has no track record in boxing. You know, basically, um, you know, Rock Nation, as far as boxing goes, is only going to start a company. You know, they don't have any track records of making great fights, working with any particular networks. You know, everything is just basically what Ryan says, I know. It's a very, very big risk. You know, really all you would be going on is Jay-Z's business acumen and other fields. And we know boxing is not like other fields. You know, boxing is just, it's a lot of loopholes. There's a lot of nonsense. It's a type of person to be able to navigate through that. And as much as we don't like the things Heyman has done, to this day we've never heard one fighter complain about him. You know, all his fighters are happy. You know, now the fans are another story, but all the fighters are happy. So with that type of track record, and you know fighters talk to each other, you know, who would you go with? No, I could see somebody going with Jay-Z, but it would be a big risk, very, very big risk. Um, now, as far as the money goes, uh, in Thurman's uh, quotes that he gave to ESPN, he said he's making, I think, seven figures for this fight. It's a bundle fight, which is a tune-up fight. So if he's already, let's assume, cracking a million. Oh, bundle? Did you call a bundle a tune-up fight? Well, I think so. I rate Bundu the eleventh best welterweight in the world right now. I would not call that a tune up fight. Really? You you give him a chance to uh upset Thurman? I I think it's potentially the, the toughest fight that Thurman has ever had. So, mm-hmm. um simply based on that, you, you gotta give him some kind of chance because Diego Chavez had a chance looking at the fight. As a matter of fact, yeah. uh Chavez did a lot better than I thought he would. That was a really good fight. Just thinking about that. That was a really good fight. So if he gets seven figures for that fight, which is what we just going on his word, that's what he's saying. There's nothing verified. If you're getting that amount for that fight, what can he potentially get against uh, a top-level opponent, a top-five opponent? So right. I think he's thinking in his mind that, you know, yeah, six million is good, but I can get more than that. And we don't know if Hammond told him, hey, if you do good in this Bundu fight and maybe a fight early next year, Maybe you'll be Floyd's last opponent. He might have mentioned that to him. So, you know, if he gets Floyd, then, of course, that's going to be over the $6 million. So, this $6 million for, what, three fights? I think it was Rock Nation did. So, I think in Thurman's mind, he's a very confident young man. I think he thinks he's going to get in on that uh, Mayweather Sweet Six. It seems far-fetched because Floyd, Floyd apparently, for what he's saying, I don't believe it, is saying he only has two more fights. So, when you look at his prospects, you know, Khan, Alexander Winner, and that fight's probably not going to be that aesthetically pleasing. You know, all anybody has to do is string together two sensational performances, maybe even one, and they can get in there. And I think he feels he's capable of doing that. So I can see when you factor in all those different reasons why he would turn down that offer and why that offer is not as big as it may seem when you compare it to what he may possibly get. You know, if he can get a Floyd fight, if he can get another big-name opponent for early next year. So, it could be the wrong decision. It could be the right decision. It's really too early to say. I really do want somebody to take a chance with Rock Nation just so we can see what they can do with a potential fighter. But it's going to be a very ambitious fight to take a move like that. Hey, you know what? 
here's who it should have been. It should have been Rigandel. Because uh, <laughs> unlike the other fighters that Jay-Z is trying to throw money at who already have, you know, good prospects of getting on TV and making good money, nobody wants to see Rigandel, you know? and it, no, Nobody's trying to put him on TV. He's done with top rank. He, he's got nothing set up. So if Rock Nation is coming in and he's the, he's the only person who, who's really trying to throw some money at Rigandel, if they're the only person trying to do that, and they're throwing a lot, like, they, what would they offer them? Um, like $1.2 million, something like that, maybe more mm-hmm. for, like, three fights. Uh, I mean, I know that it's, it's still a lot less than the, the Thurman contract, but you got to realize Rigondeaux is 122 pounds. It's, the lower weights simply don't make as much money. Um, mm-hmm. Fair or not, that, that's just reality. And, uh, you know what, Rigondeaux, he, yeah, that – him, that should have happened. Uh, Rock Nation should have been able to get him, but yeah, but but these guys have already got a good thing going. No, they're, they're not going for Rock Nation. But yeah, Rock Nation should you know continue to try to to reach out to guys like Rickendall. I guess who 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 would be the next best option? Um, maybe Andre Ward. Andre Ward would be. I think that would be a really really good fit because I think at this point he's desperate enough for any type of lifeline in his situation, and they have enough money to buy him out of this contract, I think. True. Yeah, they, they should they should offer that, like, you know, going in. Like, look, look, we'll we'll settle your, your business with Goose and Tudor if you just sign with us. That would be a perfect fit. That would, that would give him a little bit more crossover appeal. It would be perfect. That would be a perfect, perfect fit. And it, they're getting the second best fighter in the world. You know, how could it go wrong? And then, of course, when they find him, watch he get knocked out of his next fight, something crazy like that. But I think that would be a good fit. I, I'm, I would think that has to be, I know this has to have crossed their minds, so they're probably working on something like that behind the scenes, I would think, because it makes perfect sense. All right, do we have another guest coming on? We're trying to get that arranged now. Um I'm trying to reach out to him to see if he can call in because obviously me trying to bring in the calls isn't working. Yeah, it's not uh, working. Really bad. Well, yeah, not, I can start previewing the fights that are coming up. Ab- absolutely. All right, let's see. Let's go to Thursday. In um, Thailand, there's the WBC Strawweight Championship of the World. Um, the champion, Osvaldo Navoa, is going to be defending his title against Wayne Hang Meno Yosin. Um, I know the guy. I just, you know, never really learned how to pronounce his name. Uh, typical of pretty much all Thai fighters. But uh, he's the favorite. Um, he's undefeated. Um, he's undefeated against, you know, not really notable opponents, but... You know, from what I've seen, uh, he's a good fighter. Um, I think Navoa will have the more meaningful experience coming into this fight. Uh, I know his record is not nearly as good, but, you know, he fought better opponents, plain and simple. So, you know, we'll see if uh, um, uh, Juan Hang can, um, can step up and still fight with the same kind of skills. It should be a good fight, you know. Kind of looking at their styles, I think it's um, you know, rock 'em, sock 'em kind of fight. But um, yeah, that's gonna be on Thailand Channel Seven. 
on Thursday. So that's really early in the morning here in the States, and you're probably not going to see it. But if it's good, um, I'll let you know, and uh, I can probably send you a link to it on YouTube or something later. So that's Thursday. On Friday, what do we got? Friday is kind of light. I'm I'm not sure any of this is on TV, but um, a fight that I am interested in is the uh, the CES boxing card in uh, Rhode Island. Shelly Vincent is going to be in the main event against Jackie Trivolino. If you you know listen to us every week, we you know we had uh, Heather Hardy on a couple of weeks ago, and uh, you know Shelly is like a, a rival of hers. Um, they haven't you know got to fight each other yet, but they they do share common opponents, and here Shelly's taking on somebody that most people thought who who watched it um, beat Heather um, two fights ago. So I guess we we get to see if Shelly can do better. Mm-hmm. So that, that pretty much does it for Friday, as far as I know. Um, even if this other stuff this is on so TV, weird. it's not... Good fights. You know, it's weird not having Friday night fights. You kind of learn to miss it a little bit when it's gone, even though sometimes the fights are just so horrible. But <laughs> you know they're there. That's one of those things, like, once it's gone, it's like you miss it, and it's now will be until, like, January or February they're back on the air. So I kind of miss it. But we do get a special card here next month that obviously we'll talk about more the weeks ahead. But yeah, I'm, I'm used to my regular Friday night fights. I'm missing it. All right, and then there's Saturday, and obviously Saturday is a big day. Um, I will be at the Hopkins Kovalev card with my um, fellow partner in crime, Daryl Cobb. He'll be taking pictures. You know, I'll be writing, you know, have some videos with um, some of the fighters there. So that should be a good time. Um, I think that undercard starts at like 5 p.m. Eastern time, so I don't want to be there all day. I know credential pickup is like at 4 so I'm probably leaving the house around 2, and I probably won't get back home until, you know, maybe 3 a.m., so that that's like a 11-hour, no, 13-hour thing for me. And, and, and that's assuming that's assuming that uh, I don't stick around and, you know, hang out with people. Because if I stick around and hang out with people, I'm probably not getting back until like 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning. And I don't know if I can hang out that long. I'm, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> So, but but that's neither here nor there. So, um, back to the schedule. Um, in Germany, we have a big fight. Felix Sturm is fighting Robert Stieglitz at a catchweight bout, super super middleweight division. Um, pretty much, if Sturm wins this fight, which um, he's favored to win, um, he is a better fighter. Um, Stieglitz is uh, very very you know cold lately. Um, he, he's kind of fallen off ever. since ever since that uh, third Abraham fight where somehow Abraham schooled him despite getting dominated in the uh, second fight. And since then, Stieglitz has just not been very good. I mean, Sturman is coming off a loss too, um, but that was against a a good version of Sam Solomon who who would have dominated Jermaine Taylor, you know, instead of taking a dive. Um, But but I digress. Uh, (laughs) Sturm, Stieglitz, uh, it's a competitive fight. Um, and uh, when Stern wins, um, you have a big, big 
big fight set up with Arthur Abraham. That's like you know the the German Super Bowl right there. So, um, you know he'll he'll be moving you know he'll, super middleweight division, WBO title. Um, Stern will be going for his uh, titles in the second weight class. He's already like a four-time middleweight champion, so now we'll see if he can be super middleweight champion. And if he can, you know, I think he got to put his name in the discussion. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying vote for him, but he can probably get on the ballot for the International Boxing Hall of Fame someday. I mean, not, not that I would agree with it, but don't be surprised if you eventually see him on the ballot, provided he beats Abraham, which is absolutely no guarantee whatsoever. That's an interesting fight. I don't know who to pick there at the moment. You know, we'll have to see how this Stiglitz fight plays out first. So that's Germany. Uh, the undercard is also um, a pretty good fight. Susie uh, Katikian fights Nako Fujioka. Um, Nako is honestly, you know, one of the best female fighters in the world. But um, she is getting old. Um, and she, she started at straw weight. So... She, she she recently jumped from strawweight to super flyweight and uh, you know, picked up yet another world title. And now she's going to move down the scales to flyweight um, to fight Susie. Now, Susie, is, uh, she's a good fighter, but uh, she's she's beatable. Um, she be a good fight. Winner of that is uh, definitely, you know, in the mix uh, at flyweight, which is, you know, the best division in, in women's boxing right now. Um I know, uh, speaking of which, um, you know, the, the, the number one fighter there, uh, Ava Knight, come back, I believe, this month. Um, I should talk to her about that. Um, I, I just found out, I think, today. So, that's the other card. There's some other fights on it, but I don't feel like talking about them because they aren't worth a damn. <laughs> Let's see. Mexico. Fernando Montiel is fighting in Mexico. So he's still not retired. Um, he, you know, this guy used to be an elite fighter, used to be pound for pound, and then um, Nonino Donaire knocked him in the next week, and um, it's been all downhill since. Um, he, he's kind of had somewhat of a resurgence, um, perhaps lately. Like, he's, he's he's actually getting wins that he might deserve now. Um, but, you know, the, the level of opposition has just faded, faded very far. And um, who's Sergio? Sergio is um 15 and 0 prospect. Uh, has you know barely scraped by when he stepped up. So yeah, I, I think Montiel can handle him because if he can't, he should probably retire. Uh, I think he should retire anyways. But you know whatever. Um, he's he's accomplished enough. The guy is what uh, world champion in three weight classes or something. Um, he's had a whole bunch of world title fights. And he's he's 35. Um, he's been fighting since 1996. Uh, Moses Fuentes is also on the undercard. You know he's he's trying to come back from his um, his loss to Donnie Nietzsche. Um His first fight with Nietzsche, I thought he won, but they they called it a draw. And his rematch, he he got knocked out. So you know this is um, a bounce back fight for him. Uh, his opponent has a losing record and is very inexperienced. So. He will win. The the main event, I think the well the female main event, which is pretty much the real main event in Mexico because they 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 respect women's boxing and if they have the most competitive battle on the card, that will headline the card. Uh, Jocelyn Ruiz will fight Guadalupe Martinez for 
Well, actually, no, I can't read this. But it's the interim WBA bout, so I, I don't really recognize this. But hey, uh, I like Jocelyn. She's a good fighter. Sixteen to zero now. Um, she'll win this fight. Her opponent is um, is is decent, but you know, not really there to win. Uh, that that'll be on BN Sports um, here in the states. Um, in Mexico, you can watch it on what. What network in Mexico? Azteca? Yeah, Azteca Siete. So, Poland. Poland has a pay-per-view that if you are Polish, you probably buy. Because, honestly, there's, like, you know, pretty much the, the best fighters in Polish boxing on this. Um, which which doesn't say a whole lot, but <laughs> at least today. But um, it, it's a good compelling fight. You know, he got Thomas Adamick. You know, he's, he's still sticking around, seeing if he's going to continue his career or not. Um, fighting Arthur Spilka, who, you know, we last saw get, you know, hammered by Brian Jennings. So, you know, this is a kind of a crossroads fight for them. Um, if Adamick wins, you know, he continues his career. If Spilka wins, uh, he realizes that he's he's not, you know, just uh, just a gatekeeper or or maybe still is a gatekeeper, but he won't think he is. Um, it's it's a good fight. Uh, both these guys, you know, have uh, good punching power, and um, you know they're not that big. You know, they're not that slow. So it's um it should be entertaining to the eyes. Uh, on the undercard, you got Gregos Proxa. He's making a comeback against 18 and 0 Masiek Suleki. You know, Proxa. Um, he he had a lot of hype on him um, back in the day, pretty much before he ran into Triple G, or really Kerry Hope before him, because I don't know how he lost to Kerry Hope. Kerry Hope ha- should have had no hope, but he won the first fight. But you know, um, it was a rematch and uh, Proxy did his thing. But since losing Golovkin, you know, he's he's pretty much kind of disappeared. Um, he only fought twice in 2013, and in the second fight he. Pretty much got dominated by Sergio Mora, at least in my opinion. Um, two of the judges had it close. It's not from what I saw. Um, so this will be his first fight this year. Um, he's been out of the ring for you know, like what? What is that? Uh, like eighteen months now, or seventeen months? That's a long time. So you know, we'll we'll see if ring rust gets to him. Um, he's a fun fighter to watch. But uh, you know, sometimes he sometimes he just kind of doesn't let his hands go, or you know, just doesn't fight the most intelligent fights. So if he's on his A game, he should have no problems. But you never really know with that guy. There's some other fights on the undercard, but they they probably make the pay per view because you know it's pay per view, and when you order pay per views, you get to see extended undercards, um, which is unlike when you watch it on free TV. But um those fights warning. Okay. Those those fights aren't really relevant. Um oh yeah, so we, we got that we're on Saturday. We got uh Christopher Atomic Poet is asking us for our opinion on Ronald Cruz versus Dmitry Mikhailenko. Oh, yeah, I was going to get to that card. That's the NBC Sports card. Um, Cruz yeah. is going to get the hell beat out of him, and it's not <laughs> going to be funny. Um, this fight is for a check. 
It should have never been made. He could have fought Fred Jenkins Jr., which was a competitive, you know, compelling fight. Um, it made sense. But um, he's looking for the money. And this, um, you know, this Dimitri kid, is he, he's coming up in the world. I think he's just, what, coming off of beating the hell out of, uh, of what, Seiko Powell, um, former world title challenger. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, man, Cruz is... Cruz, this is the retirement tour for Ronald Cruz because uh, he, his his promoter isn't really you know thinking about doing anything with him after this one, so it's it's like a must win fight, but he can't win. He's just not good enough. Sorry, I like the kid, but you know this is this is not the fight that he should be taking. Yeah, all I can say is I think he'll go at the distance. Well, he's never been knocked out before, so I, I can say that much. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna see it being. Uh, Anything other than a lopsided decision loss. Yeah, you know that main event is Mary Mansoor versus Fred Kasi. I was at their media day. Um, Mansoor is is looking good. Um, he's uh, it took him a while to kind of you know you know get get over the uh, the Cunningham loss. You know that that really that really set him back uh, emotionally. But um, yeah, he's looking to get back in the swing of things in this fight. Kasi is, is the right opponent. He's never been knocked out, but he kind of hasn't really fought anybody um, since losing to Kendrick Relaford back in 2010. So, you know, expect Mansoor to win. Um, I don't know how, but he'll win. Uh, wait, I think that's a triple header. So there's another fight on that card. Uh, oh, yeah, the, the light heavyweight of uh, Vasily uh, Liebikin. Um He's fighting on uh, Jackson Jr., 16-0 versus 15-1. Um Good fight. Um, I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. Jackson Jr. He got ran over by Umberto Savine. Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, Leapkin is going to knock him out. Um, but you know, not a bad fight. It's um, the problem with this card is it is uh, it's happening on the same day as Hawkins Kovalev because you know this Mansoor does have a Philadelphia following. It's just all the media is is going to be with Hopkins because I was at both media days. I was, you know, one of two boxing writers at uh, Mansoor's Media Day. There wow. was maybe 30 boxing writers at Hopkins Media Day. <laughs> so, yeah. so just massive difference. And they only happened one day apart in the same location. They were both at the Johan Gym. But, yeah, man, just because Hopkins is fighting who he's fighting, he's just, you know, getting all the media coverage right now. But, you all know, right. I'll, I'll, less than 90 seconds. All right, all right, okay. <laughs> Okay, so let's make our Hopkins Kovalev picks then. I got Bernard by a competitive, um, close decision. Could be split, could be majority, I don't know, but I like B-Hop by a decision. I'm going to go with Hopkins. Yeah, I go by Hopkins by decision. I think he gives rocks a couple times, gets wobbled, but, you know, Hopkins knows how to survive. He takes it. His track record against fighters like Kovalev speaks for itself. I don't think anything different will happen. I know Jandro had picked uh, Hopkins via, de- uh, via decision. On my end, I'm going to go against the grain. I think it's going to come a point in time where he's going to get old, and unfortunately I think it may be here this Saturday night. I'm going to go with Kovalev. I think it's going to be a weird stoppage. It's going to be a very weird fight, but it's going to go past eight rounds, but it's going to have a very funny that ending similar to Chad Dawson's fight versus Bernard Hopkins. I'm just putting that out there. But if we're wrong, trust me, you fans will let us know next week. Again, we appreciate uh, JoJo Diaz joining us. 
Uh, Luis Arez joining us as well. Uh, same time here next week uh, here for the Ruckus. Uh, until next time, Ginger will be back and working the phones correctly. Uh, for myself, for Ryan Bivens, uh, for Ishmael Dual Salam, we appreciate you listening in and joining us here on the Ruckus.